Welcome to this Locked On Astros, Locked On Mariners crossover episode. Now here are your hosts, Brett Chancy and DC Lundberg. Thank you very much. That was Joey Martin, the announcer on Locked On Mariners, introducing both Locked On Mariners and Locked On Astros today. Yes, it's another crossover episode here on the Locked On Podcast Network, or T-L-O-P-N for short or for shorter, Tloppin. Please remember to download, rate, and subscribe to both of these shows using whichever podcasting app that you personally care to use. Ask your smart device to play Locked on Mariners podcast and Locked on Astros podcast, but of course not at the same time. That would be ridiculous. I am DC Lundberg, the host of Locked on Mariners, and also here is one of the co-hosts on Lo- of Locked on Astros, pardon me, Mr. Brett Chancy, a.k.a. H-Town Wheelhouse. How art thou? I am doing great. I am excited. We are less than... I guess 48 hours or 24 hours, whenever someone listens to this, away from opening day, and this day couldn't come soon enough. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of snuck up on me personally because it is just it is tomorrow. We're recording this uh, Tuesday evening, March 30th, 2021, year of our Lord. I think it's just about time we got started. Yes, definitely. So let's go to the I think most important question. Uh, I think the brightest star in the Mariners' future. Mm-hmm. Um, your your um, up and coming superstar Kyle Lewis. Yes, um, it was revealed that he is dealing with a deep bone bruise um, that puts his opening day in doubt. It was um, inflamed. Um, it was. It says it was hurt while he was awkwardly colliding with the wall, which is not good. No. But what is this? Is this just kind of where y'all are as Mariners fans? Is this kind of one of those seasons? Um, I we've kind of gotten used to those seasons over the last couple of years. This was definitely going to be part of the rebuild for the team's future. That project is starting to come to a close. I've said on other shows that next year might be the year that their window of opportunity opens. It certainly won't be this year. And let's make no mistake, Kyle Lewis is still a work in progress. He got off to a great start last season. Second half of the season just completely fell off the map. Strikeout rate went way up. So, yeah, it's going to hurt that he's going to be missing some time. In all likelihood, it's still unknown if he's going to go on the disabled list or not. There's really no update beyond what I talked about on the show on, on Monday for the Mariners fans who listened to that particular episode. But that kind of opens the door to get some playing time for another outfield prospect. You know, if he does miss opening day, I think there's he's probably going to miss opening day. So all of this is said with the assumption that Lewis is not playing tomorrow. Taylor Trammell has made the opening day roster, which I will talk about tomorrow on Locked on Mariners. He was slated to be the left fielder. In all likelihood, he will shift over to center field. And if Lewis goes on the disabled list, then Jake Fraley is probably going to play left field. So that'll get him some more playing time. And it also might mean some more playing time for Jose Marmalejos in left field. And also uh, Sam Haggerty, whom I like to call Telegram Sam. He'll be playing in left field a little bit as well. I don't know if you listen to T-Rex or not, but that's where that uh, nickname comes from. (laughs) It's an old old T-Rex song. Um, So yeah, it's going to hurt the Mariners in terms of record, but that's really not important for the Mariners, I think, this year since it's a development year. So obviously bad for Kyle Lewis, although it'll mean some more playing time for others in the interim. But on the other hand, you never want to see a teammate go down like that. So having having James Paxton back, mm-hmm. the big Maple Leaf, the Canadian pitcher, mm-hmm. how big is that to have him back after going to New York? Do you think that experience 
will be a benefit for him coming back to Seattle? Are, are Seattle fans excited to have him back? Yes, and me personally, I kind of feel like that this is a bit of a coup because he was traded to the Yankees by the Mariners in the trade that netted the Mariners just to Sheffield, and now they're in the same rotation. I couldn't be happier about that aspect of it, quite honestly. Um, in terms of uh, spending a couple seasons in New York, last season, I mean, last season was kind of injury riddled. Throw it away. Almost, you can almost throw twenty twenty away uh, for everybody. They, the point that I keep going back to is that Christian Yelich at two hundred four. So twenty twenty stats, you know, whatever. Um, his two thousand nineteen season in New York, his walk rate went up. It had been, you know, pretty semi significantly lower in Seattle. I don't know if there's really anything to be benefited from with Paxton specifically playing in New York. I think he's very comfortable in Seattle. He was a fan favorite while he was here. I'm very happy to have him back. Plus, he's a veteran presence in a young rotation, and that'll only help the young guys. No, yeah, definitely. Anytime you have veterans to help these young guys, and you guys brought in Ken Giles, oh, um, punch myself in the face, Ken, um, <laughs> from the Houston Astros days. Uh, we, yep. we, we constantly, uh, there is a running joke. It's like, um, who do you blame for this loss? And Ken Giles is always on the pole. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Kid Giles actually wasn't that bad when he was in Houston. You know, he got a lot of grief towards the end. He had that that brush up that was on national TV with Hinch. Um, Kid Giles and y'all's bullpen. Do you expect them to have um, a decent amount of success this year, or do you think it will be rocky because of just the lack of overall depth? You know, the bullpen's tough. I'm really not sure how to answer that question. First of all, Ken Giles is coming off Tommy John surgery, and he will, all, in all likelihood, not pitch at all this season. This seems okay. I wasn't aware of that. Okay, yeah, I'm that's sorry. all right. But it kind of seems tough or strange to say about a 30-year-old pitcher that that was a move for the future. They signed him to a multi-year deal, I think, a two-year deal. So he'll be part of the Mariners in 2022 when that window of opportunity that I'm speaking about might open up. The rest of the bullpen. It's kind of a mix of some younger veterans who have struggled, a.k.a. Keenan Middleton, and some of the players that have been in the Mariners' farm system who haven't had a lot of success at the Major League level yet. I really don't know what to expect of the bullpen. To me, it's a huge question mark. They could put it all together and be pretty good, or they could be just awful like they were last season. I'm really not sure. Okay, okay. So where... Where do you see, we'll stick with the Mariners for a second, where do you see um, the Mariners in this division? You know, let's be honest, most people are picking them and the Rangers to bring up the back end. Do you (laughs) think, is there any chance that they could get a spark and make a little run? Because the AL West, it isn't the strongest division. I mean, we'll talk about the Astros later, but... Is there some hope for them to maybe get into third? Or what do you think? Is it just as many wins as they can get is the plus? I think the plus is going to be how the individual young players progress and that the record really isn't all that important. So it's kind of like a big giant spring training as far as I'm concerned. But yeah, there is certainly a chance that they could put it all together a little earlier than you know, I'm predicting this is a young team. They're going to be streaky, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, they have a chance to have a win total in the mid or high 80s, but I've also got a chance to lose 40 pounds this year, and that's not going to happen either. 
that's, that is great. I love that. You know, I tell people all the time that when I was young, I prayed. And I said, God, I want to be six foot five, 250 pounds. Well, at <laughs> one point in my life, I got to 250. I'm nowhere near six foot five, I'm five, eight and a half. So, uh, you know, thanks for the 50%. Hey, that'll get you all the fame right there. <laughs> there you go. Uh, we're up on a, our, our trivia corner. Uh, Astros fans, I have a trivia question at the end of every first segment. Today it is an Astros-themed trivia question, and it is this. Who was the first man to win 20 games in the history of the Houston Astros slash Colt 45s? Think about it, and I'll tell you the answer after I tell you about Built Bar, the greatest protein bars in the history of things that are covered in chocolate. Each Built Bar is low in calories and sugar, while also being high in protein and fiber. And now is the time, ladies and gentlemen, to find out which Built Bar is the best. Yes, indeed, Built Bar Madness. We are down to the semifinals, or the flavorful four, as it were. Yesterday, it was cookie dough chunk versus cookies and cream, and today it'll be uh, coconut brownie chunk versus mint brownie. Of these four, I am absolutely team mint brownie. Uh, Though, from what I understand, coconut brownie chunk is favored by more any thoughts on the, the uh, flavorful four sir um you know i like the mint brownie it ah. it reminds me a lot of the um girl scout cookies the thin the mints, thin mints. Yeah. yes and we actually keep ours in the fridge and i don't know if you follow our dm but um i just took a picture of the multiple mounds of boxes we just purchased so <laughs> built bar is definitely a staple in our house yeah, I mean, I've gotten my mom hooked on them, my roommate, and uh, my aunt. They are—it's a good product, ladies and gentlemen. I know I exaggerate, and I—and I'm silly during these commercials, but that's because I like Built Bars. And go to builtbar.com or to at bar underscore built on Twitter at the website. Remember to actually buy some Built Bars. That's the whole point of this. And while only one can reign supreme in this bracketed madness challenge, they're all great. And if at checkout you try to use promo code snork snork plurk. Plork, nothing happens. So just use promo code LOCKED15 instead, and that'll get you 15% off your next order. That is LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, to get 15% uh, off your next order at BuiltBar.com, and check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best-tasting protein bar in all the land. Built Bar does a body good. The answer to the trivia question. Mr. Chansey, do you know the answer? First 20-game winner in Astros Colt 45's history. You know, I should have totally Googled this since I don't know it off the top of my head. <laughs> but I did not. All right. But would it be Larry Durker? Yeah, it would. 1969, yes. Larry Durker, first 20-game winner for the Houston Astros at that time. It was his first All-Star season. He was later an Astros manager who led the team through a very successful period in the mid to late 90s, which I actually want to talk about in C-Block a little bit. Okay. Coming up, I mentioned the names of some great Astros of the past to make it sound like I know what I'm talking about, like Ray Montgomery. There you go. <laughs> or Jordan Shape. Welcome back to this Locked On Mariners, Locked On Astros crossover episode. Here once again are your hosts, D.C. Lundberg and Brett Chancy. Today on Locked On Today podcast, you will probably hear the latest on the Final Four. You have Baylor versus U of H, the old Southwestern Conference matchup. Because you know what? When you caught caught up on Locked On Mariners and Locked On Astros, go to Locked On Today. 
follow Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Get all the sports you need in under 20 minutes. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, the man with the voice of a legend. And he gives you the news in the most awesome way. And it fills you in because we know baseball nuts. We like other sports too. What's going on in the NHL and so much more. So go get Locked On Today podcast. Subscribe on the Odyssey app wherever you get your podcast. Locked On Today where everything is covered in 20 minutes. Absolutely. You mentioned the final four. As we are recording this, Gonzaga just beat USC. The only reason I know that, honestly, is because my roommate was watching the game. I feel like I'm the only person in Spokane who doesn't care about Gonzaga basketball. Really? I just never got into basketball. I'm a baseball guy, a bowling guy, and a curling guy. Nice. Men's World Curling Championships begin on Friday. And I could not be more excited about that, but we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about some baseball. We've discussed the Mariners in A Block, and right now I'm going to ask some questions about the Astros. I just have more general type questions. Um, I kind of want to know what your outfield situation is uh, going to be like, as George Springer is now a Toronto Argonaut. Uh, What's... uh, no, yes. he's, a, he's I, a Blue Jay, ladies and gentlemen. That's great. How, I was like, wait, he went to the CHL? I mean, <laughs> CFL? <laughs> I have an odd sense of humor. Yeah, it, it's all good. So our, our outfielder situation, we have Michael Brantley in left. We have Kyle Tucker in right. And we have Miles Straw, who was just cleared. Um, if you're listening Wednesday, he was cleared on Tuesday. He will be on the opening day lineup. He was in COVID protocol. He checked out fine. He's over the moon excited about being there. This is his first opening day roster to make as a starter, and they awarded Chaz McCormick. And let me tell you, Dusty Baker called Chaz McCormick in his office and was playing some music from a Philadelphia band. And Dusty Baker's sitting back, and he said he was kind of jamming. He's like, hey, what's going on? He said, he goes, this is good music, isn't it? He's like, yeah, this is great music. He goes, you know where this band's from? He goes, no. He goes, they're from Philadelphia. That's where you're from, right? And he said, yes, sir. He goes, well, this band's from Philadelphia, and they know how to jam, and it's exciting, just like letting you know that you're going to make an open-day roster. You're going to be on this team. And so <laughs> Dusty Baker has just really fit in, you know, hand in glove. He has just, just, I mean, the players have really taken him in. And so our outfield situation is great. Now, Alvarez is listed as an outfielder, but we all know <laughs> with his double knee surgery that we don't mind if he's Big Poppy Jr. at only being DH right now. I mean, he may start a couple – games or play a couple innings in left field, but I think very few. All right. On the pitching side, Justin Verlander only pitched the one game last season before getting hurt. Uh, is he going to be ready to go to start this season? I honestly don't know what your rotation is going to look like, so if you would update me on that, I'd appreciate it. Definitely. Yeah, so Justin Verlander um, had Tommy John surgery. Mm, okay. So he was, like I thought Ken Giles was there, right. Justin Verlander had that done he's started kind of throwing my bold prediction is that he makes it back by the end of the season and pitches the Astros into the World Series right. that was my bold prediction but we have Zach Grinky. he is doing great mm-hmm. um, he will be the opening day starter um, I believe followed by Lance McCullers Jr. now I haven't seen the official like five-man rotation yeah. but after that you have probably Jose Urquidy okay. I would think Christian Javier and then starting the first game of the home opener is going to be Jake Odorizzi. Um, oh, that's Framber, right, yes. Yeah. Now, Framber Valdez would have been that number two starter, 
but he's dealing with that broken finger. And again, Dusty Baker's making more Wolverine and mutant analogies. He said Framber Valdez is healing like like the Predator. Now he's saying he's <laughs> healing like Wolverine. Um, and they said um, Brent Strom, the Astros pitching coach, said they are really excited about the results. So I think Framber Valdez won't be out for long. Okay, but that means that one of those guys is going to have to slide into a long reliever role. Yeah. Any guess on who that might be or just wait and see? Right now, so if they bring Frimber Valdez back, Mm -hmm. I would think that the odd man out might be Christian Javier. I don't see how you can sit Jose Arquiti unless Jake Odorizzi just isn't performing. But Jake Odorizzi looked really good his last spring training start. He's the only guy that I think would would stand a chance to be pushed into the bullpen because the Astros are um, Andre Scrub starting, I believe, on the IL right now. And so he's having some shoulder inflammation issues. He's one of their top relievers that, that I'd look at. And then Pedro Baez probably won't be in for, I think, a month because, of, because he actually got COVID. Mm, and okay. so that set them back. They had about seven or eight guys that were in COVID protocol during spring training. So that was worrisome there. But the starting rotation, I think, is set. But you have some other guys that are in the bullpen that could come in and make spot starts, like a Brandon Belak, um, like, you know, just different guys that they have available. Okay. Any final thoughts before we move on? Well, here's the thing. I don't think anybody in the American League wins 100 games. Um, I think that bodes well for the Astros. I think the Astros are by far in the weakest division in the AL. And I think they win the AL West with 91 to 93 wins. Okay. They they could surprise and win 96, 97, but I think they get to 91 wins. That's my prediction. Yeah. Beating out Oakland, who will get 89 wins. They won't get quite to 90. Okay. But they recently bolstered that bullpen, so that makes me um, – no, I mean the Angels recently bolstered the bullpen, so I think that's going to even things out more. There's going to be a fight for second. Yeah, you may only have one team come out of the West going to the playoffs. I don't know if a second team makes it to the wild card. So winning the division is all yeah. that important. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. Well, there two te- two teams might make it now that I now that I actually think about it for for more than a half a second. But I, I, it's got to be between Houston and Oakland. Uh, Anaheim, Anaheim. I still call them the California Angels. Los <laughs> Angeles. Uh, I think last year was. Um, I'm surprised that they were as bad as they were. I think they're going to be better this year, and. Uh, Texas and the Mariners also kind yeah, of fall into that category. Is, I, th- I think they're the. I think in Texas we call them the JV squad. But you know when we came into the AL, they were kicking butt and taking names and going to World Series. So you know the tables have turned a little bit. Everything is cyclical. The cycle that the Mariners are in just happens to be a little bit longer uh, than average. But uh, I think the for the sake of not giving you an answer in A block, I think the Mariners finish fourth in the American League West. At this point in the program, I offer an invitation to Mariners fans to send in a question or a comment if they so desire, and I extend the same invitation to Locked On Astros listeners. If anybody out there has a question or a comment, please send it in to LockedOnMariners at gmail.com, and I will address it on the air in a future mailbag episode. Questions and comments on any subject at all are encouraged. Just please keep them appropriate. It is a family show. We did a mailbag episode yesterday, and somebody asked actually asked me why I call Sam Haggerty Telegram Sam. Does Locked on Astros have a mailbag segment? Yeah, we we plan on having one probably the second weekend of the season. And so I would just say right now go to um, 
LockedOnAstros um, at gmail.com. I believe it's LOAstros at gmail. Um, email us there, or you can even DM us at H-Town Wheelhouse or at LockedOnAstros, or Eric Talkstros, who is our main host. Um, Eric's not with us tonight, and so check us out. Send us a DM. Look for those messages. We'll, be, we'll put it out on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. There you go. Coming up, what will Mr. Wheelhouse have to say about Astros uniforms? Probably something. Now this word from betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to get all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Just like D.C.'s favorite basketball team, the Gonzaga Bulldogs. (laughs) Built Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real time. Updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way and place to place your bets for free to sign up. Head to their website or use use your mobile device to sign up today and receive fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your sportsbook experts. Use the promo code Locked On. Welcome back to this Locked On Astros, Locked On Mariners crossover episode. And now, here are your hosts once again, Brett Chancey and D.C. Lundberg. Thank you once again, J.M. The Locked On MLB Division Preview Series concludes today on Locked On MLB. Every episode from now until the 31st, that's today, features in-depth looks at each team in every division. Ha <laughs> It's all on the Locked On MLB podcast feed right at this exact moment. Follow Locked On MLB on the Audacity app or wherever you get podcasts. That is spelled A-U-D-A-C-Y. The first time I read it, I thought it was Audacity, the music editing program, but it's not. It is Odyssey, kind of audio and Odyssey combined. <laughs> Isn't that clever? Anyways, that's, that's not nice. I'm sorry. Uh, final segment, good chance to have some fun. There is something I want to ask you that has nothing to do with the current goings-on in baseball. When I first got into baseball in the mid-90s, that's when the Astros were really becoming a pretty good team, yet they, just, they didn't break through to the World Series, at least, until 2000, 2004, I want to say. Yeah, that was the yes. White Sox-Astros... Uh, World Series. Do you have a lot of memories from those uh, mid-90s Astros teams that you want to share? Because I'd love to hear them if you do. Yeah, you know, from the 90s, I remember a lot of Biggio, Bagwell, Caminetti, um, just those. I mean, I remember we had a guy named Sean Barry, and Sean Barry hit a home run. Well, it was ruled a ground rule double. He hit a shot in the Astrodome that hit the speaker that hangs over center field, yeah. And the ball was still going up. The <laughs> ball it was projected would have hit the top of the dome where the roof meets the back wall. Wow. It was one of the most like depthifying shots that I've ever seen. Um, I remember I was at the last game in the Astrodome when they beat the Dodgers and they clinched another division because mm-hmm. they were in the National League. I kind of miss us being in the National League, to be quite honest, you know, until Bud Seeley extorted us and forced us into the AL because yeah. because he did because his daughter's like, Daddy, I don't want to go to the NL. And she's like, it's okay, baby. We'll make Houston go. That's my take. <laughs> but, I, I, I'm going to say that that's an accurate account just for the sake of making fun of Bud Seeley. How's that? Exactly. But, okay. you, know, you know, my thing is, we we had guys like Jose Lima, 
Yep. Okay, Jose Lima was amazing. I remember we saw him at the end of the game. We saw him driving off. We chased his vehicle down. And he gets out and he's like, and I'm not going to try to do my Jose Lima impression, but he's like, guys, guys, what are you doing? We're like, we want your autograph. He's like, you're crazy. You're going to get run over. He's like, I'm going to squash your head. He's like, what do you what do you have for me to sound like a baseball? He's like, okay. He's like, do not run in the road because you're kids and it is bad. And I know I'm a baseball player, but I'm not that important. And uh-huh. and then we're like, we're like Lima time. And he's like, Lima time. And it was so <laughs> cool because you could like stand there while the Astros were coming out of the Astrodome. Yeah. Um, but just, just games in the Astrodome was something else, you know, I remember Tony Gwynn being in the outfield and making a ring around him with sunflower seeds um, when he was spitting <laughs> sunflower seeds. And I just remember those games. It was it was just absolutely phenomenal. And just every time I drive by the Astrodome and just know the shape it's in, it just really kind of breaks your heart because it was definitely um, your home away from home. Yeah. You mentioned Sean Barry, um, which is a name that I have not yet brought up on Locked On Mariners. I talk a lot about baseball history, particularly during the offseason. Sean Barry was a very underrated third baseman back then. He had, I think, a little bit more pop than people realize. He did. He he could, when he got a hold of the ball, you know, and I don't know if it's a good comparison, but when you watch Martin Maldonado hit, when he gets a hold of a baseball, yeah, he puts his body. I mean, when he gets that body shifted, when he gets that, when he gets those 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 hips twisted, when he's doing everything right, oh my God, he can make a ball fly. And you know, Sean Barry just would just lay into a ball. And when he got a charge, and he didn't hit a ton of home runs, but when he hit it hard, it went far. Yeah. And uh, you also mentioned Jose Lima. The pitchers that I remember for the Astros, Daryl Kyle was there for a long time, through yes. a no-hitter in 94, I believe, and Shane Reynolds, who is wildly underappreciated. Very underappreciated. But, you know, I think a lot of people in Houston, if they're diehards, if they're not 17ers, as some people get called, which is kind of an insult in, uh, in Houston, but Shane Reynolds was one of those guys that before Roy Oswalt, there was Shane Reynolds. Yeah. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, I feel like, I feel like he, was, he was a mainstay. Um, and he actually, it's funny, um, I see him quite often. If if you're at Bass Pro Shop ever, Shane Reynolds <laughs> is probably there. Oh, he, cool. I, you know, I don't think he has enough hunting or fishing gear. You know, he probably buys new stuff every week, it seems like. But he's a super nice guy, real down-home guy. Okay. You know, we you know we had guys back then, I guess more towards the late 80s, like the, the um Jim Deshays type of pitchers and it we just we just had some really some really neat people um some really fun players to watch but man Ken Caminetti let me tell you what a what a tragic end to what should have been a hall of fame career the guy had talent beyond compare and I'll share this with you um we had a guy on our podcast um Joey Vassell, who who did the uh, he does a secondary lead podcast where he talks about the rise and fall of King Kimenetti. Yeah. And one of the coaches was asked, "Who's the best third baseman of all time?" And he said, "Well, I used to think it was Brooks Robinson, but it's got to be King Kimenetti." And he said they both had something in common. They were both between their hips and their knees. They were bruised after every game because they just let every ball hit them. They didn't always catch the ball, but they stopped it in their ability to get the ball across the diamond was uncanny. Uh, Cam Nettie won at least one gold glove. You may have won a few of them, did he not? Yeah, I don't I don't know what the count on gold glove is gold gloves is off the top of my head. Um, I'm gonna look it up. 
Yeah, because that is something that I should know. I'm sure Astros fans are like, I cannot believe this blasphemy. <laughs> he won three of them. Okay. 19, let's see, that is 1995, 1996, and 1997. He actually won them all as a Padre. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, oh, well. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, you, you need to go listen to that Secondary Lead podcast. It's a seven or eight part series. It's mm-hmm. phenomenal. There's a story where he was sick. He had the flu. They were, they were playing a game in Mexico, and he was hooked up to an IV. And right yeah. before the game, he pulled the IV out, and he went in the game and hit like two home runs. That uh, yeah, was he? That was uh, ninety six with the Padres, was it? Yes, not, exactly. Recall, yes, yes, it was with the Padres. Yeah, but you know him and Biggio and Bagwell, they had a connection not only as players but as mm-hmm. family friends, and the families were close. And that's what was so cool about those teams, you know, having guys like Larry Durker um, coach the team. And I remember when he had. Um, he when he when he collapsed in the dugout. Oh, that was yeah. Um, yeah. So I I actually worked with his daughter for about five years at a uh, at a large private school in Houston, mm-hmm. and I remember he came up one day and I was like I was like I can't believe Larry Durker was here. She's like that's my dad. And I was like oh that's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't know that. <laughs> awesome. So one more quick question, which is sort of on the same thing because we are running out of time here. Those Astros uniforms from the mid-90s when they were the dark navy blue and the light gold before they went to the red and black pinstripes, which I never cared for. Me neither. Thank you. Those ones that I just mentioned from the mid-late 90s, I love that uniform set. I'm sort of a jersey geek. Not as much as Jason Hernandez, ladies and gentlemen, but also the uh, hat with the navy crown and metallic gold bill. I loved those things. What are your thoughts? Yes, you know, I like, I really like the 90s uniforms. Those were some of my favorite ones. I actually have a jacket, and of course, I'm not going to walk away from the mic, but I have a (laughs) starter jacket that my mom bought me. Um, It was, she had just recently gone through a divorce, and so she didn't have a whole lot of money. She went to the Astrodome gift shop and bought me an Astro starter jacket, and I've got like a starter diamond collection jacket that is still it's I mean it still looks brand new when I wear it to school now kids are like oh that's lit or whatever they say you're dripping or whatever (laughs) and they they love the throwback and I think of all the throwbacks I think it it's a toss-up between that 90s jersey and for me the the rainbow tequila sunrise jerseys I know that's the perennial favorite yes but I freaking (laughs) love that but yeah I say bring back I don't know if you if you go online look for a guy named D Texans it's D and T E X A N. I don't know if it's Z or S, but he did mock ups. Um, he basically put the current Astros in '90s in their '90s uniforms, ah. like Bregman and McCullers. And dude, it looks freaking <laughs> awesome. Bregman and McCullers are like, we need to bring these back. So, um, you know, I like our jerseys now. They're kind of plain. I um, think they're classic and clean, though. I like your. True. I like the look. No, I do. I just sometimes yeah. hearken back to those. I really, oh, if so I had right. a choice, I would want to go back to the 90s uniforms. The pinstripes, I was not a, you know why I wasn't a fan of pinstripes? Hmm. Because the Yankees were pinstripes. We're not the Yankees. We're That's not trying fair. to be the Yankees. We don't want to be the Yankees. We All we do is beat them and keep them out of playoffs and, and decades out of it. You know, you keep them out of the World Series for a full decade. That's what we do. <laughs> and for that, we thank you. <laughs> no. See, here's the thing. I used to really hate the Yankees, but I, I that hate is gone just because it's a lot of homegrown talent from them now. 
and back when I despised them, it was almost exclusively free agents. That's why I didn't like them, but those those days are gone. I like the young players they have now, but we're kind of getting off topic. I can talk to Stacy Gotsoulias about that, I think. But <laughs> that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Mariners and Locked on Astros. Tomorrow on Locked on Mariners, ladies and gentlemen, I will be talking about the opening day 26-man roster. And here with me to do that will be Henry Warnamont, Smokey the Bear, and a pizza paddle. And yes, tomorrow is April Fool's Day, but there will be no gimmicks, no silliness whatsoever on tomorrow's show. And if you believe that, I'd like to talk to you about some swamp property that I'm looking to sell that you might be interested in. Take us home, sir. You know, thank you so much for tuning in to Locked On. We have the MLB Division Preview Series coming up. It is all this week. We've talked about that, but opening day is upon us. It is not too late to check out Locked On MLB Division Previews if you haven't. It's the best way to get caught up on every team in your division, your league, or across baseball. It's all on the Locked On MLB podcast right now. Follow Locked On MLB on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. And let's play ball. This is Joey Martin for Locked On Mariners and Locked On Astros, both part of the Locked On Podcast Network.